Hey, gang. Welcome to Best Night Ever, a show where interesting people who do interesting things tell the story of their best night ever. I'm your host, Ian Hollihan, and with me, as always, is Reggie Miller. Once again, thanks to everybody who downloaded and listened to the last episode, and thanks to everyone who, you know, uh, left star review or, or, or wrote a review. I really appreciate it. It's actually really important, not because of, like, ranking or SEO. It's really because uh, I have a, a really low self-esteem, and, and it makes me feel better. So, thanks. Keep it coming. I got a lot of people uh, reaching out to me and saying, did you know there's another podcast called Best Night Ever with Dr. Jay Corsandi? Guys, yeah, I know. Me, Dr. J, Reggie Miller, we're buds. Our friendship level is birthday texters, and it's perfect. Not too close, but we know who each other are and always wish each other well. His podcast, it's to help folks who have sleeping problems. Now, I don't mean like it's a podcast that plays cricket noises to make you go to sleep. It's if you have sleeping issues, like problems when you sleep or, or getting to sleep. Like my buddy Pat Smith, he had a really weird sleep issue. He talked in his sleep. Now, I know uh, a lot of you thinking, you know, Ian, that's not that weird. Everyone talks in their sleep. But usually when people talk in their sleep, it's like gibberish. Pat, he says complete sentences. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. A lot of people say uh, complete sentences in their sleep. Folks, step back. Let me finish. Patrick Joshua Smith hurts feelings in his sleep. In his waking life, he's like a basket of puppies. He's one of the nicest guys I know. But as soon as the Sandman hits him, he's, you know, he's a real dick. One time in high school, I was sleeping over his house and he was fast asleep. And I mean, like, out. Me and his brother Chris were just uh, playing video games or something. And Pat, uh, I'll, I'll mention this, he has a really distinct, deep voice and has very good diction. So he's snoring, drooling, and all of a sudden he says, it's over the bridge. And uh, me just, you know, kind of be a jerk. We're just like, Pat, what are you talking about? And he said... It's right there over the bridge. And then I say to him, oh, Pat, you're, you're just talking in your sleep. His voice got really angry. And he said, no, Ian, you're just an idiot. And then went right back to snoring. He wasn't doing gibberish. He wasn't just doing complete sentence. He wasn't just throwing insults out there. He said an insult specifically directed at me. And, you know, asleep or not, Pat, that really hurt my feelings. And I try to see both sides of it. Like, sleep time, Pat, he's just trying to get people to get to the other side of the bridge. And then dipshit Ian shows up. I I'm just saying, uh, sleep time, Pat, it's 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 okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be mad. But let's not um, call people names. Okay? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. J's podcast um, uh, could very well... Um, uh, help people like Pat. So anyways, Dr. J's podcast and my podcast, we're not at odds. We're, we're extremely different. So yeah, check it out. If you have a sleep issue, uh, check out Best Night Ever, Dr. J. Kersandi. Uh, I guess we should start the actual show now, huh? Our storyteller today is a stand-up comedian out of Montreal named Iman El Husseini. She's hilarious. She's been really making a name for herself here in the United States and like the comic scene, uh, recently performing with Patton Oswalt. Uh, if you don't know, he's the uh, the guy who played the, the the cute little chubby man on that show that was after You Gotta Love Raymond. So uh, that's a big deal. A lot of folks think Iman stands apart or she sticks out or especially because she is a Palestinian lesbian married to a Jewish woman. I think she sticks out because, you know, she's just really, really funny because, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm really woke. Uh, so, um Anyways, a lot of her story revolves around New York City. Um, and a lot of folks not from New York City love to romanticize New York City. I've lived in New York most of my life. I have a lot of strong opinions about New York City, as does everyone else in the world, regardless if they've ever lived here or not. So I thought it'd be cool to have uh, someone on who's from New York to, you know, talk about being a real New Yorker. So this person 
who's kind of legendary mainly because of his New York accent, thick New York accent. Um, you might know him from Canadian Bacon, Flirting with Disaster, and recently he's been playing Dr. Artie Amyot on Ray Dodeman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Alda. In the flesh, at your pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is incredible. Alan, you know, uh, first of all, congratulations on a really uh, impressive and epic career. Well, thank uh, you. Thank you. Also, uh, congratulations on being a clue in almost every crossword puzzle ever. So yeah. I, I I really haven't been touching crosswords ever since, you know. What about the jumble? No, I've been very open and honest with you. That is where I draw the line. You come at me with this crypto quote. I have no use for you. You know, it was really on the jumble in the 70s. It was Billy Carter, Jimmy's brother. But- President Jimmy Carter's brother? Oh, yeah. The, that whole peanut empire. They just couldn't get enough of the Sunday jumble. Huh. So our storyteller tonight is a comedian named uh, Iman El Husseini. Are you familiar with her? Close, intimate friend. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Wow. Oh, I, I geez. I, I should have done more research uh, before uh, you came here. I apologize about that. Um. Anyways, her story revolves around New York City, and I thought it'd be cool to have a legendary New Yorker talk about being a New Yorker. Now, you you still live in New York, yeah? Yeah, you know, I've been spending a lot of my time at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. Are are you from Long Island? I I live in Long Island next to Cold Spring Harbor. It's a very close part of my heart. So you're a Billy Joel fan. Uh, You know, he's the mayor of Long Island. Billy Joel fan? He's like a brother to me. You ever heard that song, You May Be Right? Yeah, dude. I freaking love that song. I walk through Bed-Stuy alone. That's me. Except, you know, West Hempstead. I'm actually from the Bronx. Uh, Whereabouts? Underneath the Applebee's. I'm sorry, did you say underneath the Applebee's? Oh, well, let me tell okay. you something. Growing up in the Bronx underneath the Applebee's, I used to live in a bunk bed with my little brother. My mama called it the Tufas because, you know, under the Applebee's. <laughs> so I was Italian growing up. Uh, people don't know this. So my real name is Alphonse DeBruzzo, and my name is actually a portmanteau of Al and Da, like the Alphonse DeBruzzo. Uh, you know, Gabriel Sidibe? Yeah, sure. Uh, Tower Heist. You guys are in Tower Heist together. Uh, you know, we, we got so close and then, you know, I, I even gave her her own portmanteau, which is where you combine the two names <laughs> and the words. Uh, so Gabby, we called it Gabstead and it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I once swallowed a bumblebee. Okay. That's a really, that's a really cool story. Like, so, so starting in the Bronx as uh, Alphonse de Bruzzo, uh, becoming Alan Alda, living this long, uh, celebrated life. Looking back, uh, what do you think you're most proud of? Tiny Toon Adventures. Were you in Tiny Toon Adventures? No. So when I was a kid, there was a show, you probably haven't heard of it, called Looney Tunes. And it had a, a duck and a rabbit and it had a guy with a gun and things like that. But then they made this other show called Tiny Tunes, where they just shrunk them down to size. And you, you couldn't believe it. As somebody that grew up underneath a chain restaurant, I can really, you know, I can relate to feeling pretty small like that. You know, Alan, I know what Looney Tunes is. Uh, I don't think anyone was confused about what Tiny Tunes was doing, you know. I guess what I was really asking is, uh, what are you most proud of that you actually participated in? Honestly, I'm doing the science education at Cold Spring Harbor, but my real ultimate plan is timely revenge against Will Shorts. Why? He has wronged me. Can we talk about that? Legally, not on the public airwaves. Okay, okay, sure. Um, I hate Murphy Bids. <sighs> Murphy Bids? Um... So that about wraps it up, Alan. Thank you so much for coming by. Uh, you have something to plug, right? Um, Promote my new yeah, book, yeah, book. Pouring Too Glad That I Made This Book About Portmanteaus. It's got a lot of really great Portmanteaus. So Portmanteau, as you know, like my last name, Alan Alda, 
Alphonse DeBruzzo, things like that. My favorite is Benefer, when, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were together. The new A-Rod J-Lo combo is pretty good, too. She's just a, you know, a Portman 2 powerhouse. A PP, as I say. There's a proverbial Garden of Eden of Portman 2s. Things like Affluenza, currently in the news. Affluence and Influenza. But one of my favorites is probably Brangelina, which is Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And then we go to my more 2000s indie kick, like Californication, with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good, related California Portman 2. Ebonics is an interesting one, because that's one Ebony and Phonics. Uh, a little racially charged, if I do say. And it's really important that we're doing this podcast right now in March, because it's Women's History Month, and my favorite Portman 2 is Herstory. You see what I did there? Cubit is a combination of Quantum and Bit, and a very underappreciated arcade game from the 80s. And Spambot is Spam and Robot, which I wish was an arcade game in the 80s, but we didn't have the internet yet, which is not really a Portman 2, but something we should all think about. Uh, wow, Alan, that uh, definitely sounds like a book. Uh, you know, if uh, I had wrote it, I would have called it uh, Portman Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, no. Oh, no, it's just, uh, I, was, I wasn't suggesting it. I was just um, uh, kind of being a rascal. Um, anyways, Alan, thank you so much for coming. I know you're super busy. Well, I, I had to do laundry anyways. You're going to do laundry here? Yeah, you got the, the thing in units, I figured. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um um, uh, Alan Alda, ladies and gentlemen. And now uh, for the main event. Don't forget after the story to uh, click the subscribe button. Um, or uh, you can do it now. Uh, the world is your oyster. It, it genuinely uh, really doesn't matter when you click it. Uh, just as long as you do. Um, and Hosani, what was your best night ever? Oh, we start, we start just like that? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, my best night ever would have to be when my wife proposed to me tw- eight years ago. There was no reason for her and I to be together. We're so different on so many levels. And the fact that we ended up together despite everything, you know, just being Palestinian Jewish, just uh, different backgrounds, different, you know, everything was so different. But the core was really, you know, the same. But we're like, we look different. We act different. Our personalities are completely different. She's lived in a lot of places. I was born and raised in the Middle East, lived in Canada. She lived in like The Hague when she worked for the UN and a few other places. Her mom is from Peru. So she's seen like so much of the world. And her and I were friends like platonically on the scene for like two years before anything happened. I really never gave a shit. You know, I, I, I never really heard her speak. She speaks with such a low voice. We're always in loud bars. I'm like, and, but she talks a lot at the same time. It was like a weird thing. She was in a relationship. I was like busy fooling around and just like being a party girl and pursuing comedy, you know. But then one day, I guess she also does a bit about being bisexual on stage. And she'll always, she'll look at the audience and be like, sorry to disappoint you fellas. Ladies, you must be curious. And I'm like, maybe I am, you know? And I also found out that all of my girlfriends who are married with children have like, most of them have slept with other women. And I'm like, how did I not? I'm like a female comedian. I'm practically a lesbian already, you know? So it really, I start, and then I saw her once with her girlfriend at the club. And she sort of just like put her hand. I was um, a waitress at the club, at the comedy club. And I saw her put her hand on her girlfriend's leg in like such a sexy way. And I'm like, oh, I never saw her in that light. And then I kind of, I guess, curiosity developed then until we got there to kiss one night. We're all me and this comic that I used to fool around with a lot and her are drinking. And he was like, why don't you broads kiss? And we did. Yeah. (laughs) Really, it took me two months 
two months into the relationship, I was head over heels in my head. I was like, this is the person I'm going to marry. It's over. I mean, immediately we're lesbians. So (laughs) (laughs) it was like, it was fantasizing from the beginning. Like, if we have kids, it's too bad that we can't get each other pregnant. It would be so cute if we had like a kid that's a mix of me and her. And I mean, all these fantasies were like, so it was something that we talked about to a certain extent. Often, I want to say often enough. It's just how we would do it, you know, what we would do. Yeah, we talked about it. We were dating for four years. We realized that sadly, Montreal, the comedy scene is like non-existent at this point, which is so crazy. I know because Just for Laughs is in Montreal and you would think they would celebrate local talent, but it's quite the opposite. They really decimated the scene. It was so sad because when I started 12 years ago, the scene was so promising and a lot of us from that era, like really became quite successful in stand up outside of Montreal because they like kind of drove us out of it. Very, very sad stuff. But, um, so I knew that there was no future in Montreal. She knew that too. And Jess, I mean, left a career in international law to become a comedian. So she really needs to make it. You know, I like dropped out of university. It wasn't that huge, but she like was coworkers with Amal Clooney and uh, gave that up to become a stand-up comedian in Montreal. Anyway, so we always loved New York. Both of us had a connection to the city uh, separately. And then when we got together and we we would come and visit and like show each other our side of New York. My side was very, you know, street food, like halal guys, not fancy. You know, I always did it on a budget. I would come because I wanted to come to New York often. And I'd come a lot by myself, sometimes with a lot of friends and sometimes by myself. I'd stay in a shitty hostel that was like 30 bucks a night. I take the overnight bus, you know, it was like really done on a budget. And her her side is like quite the opposite. It's like very fancy and nice and, you know, uh, just combining those two worlds. But now, thankfully, we do a lot more fancy stuff because she's in charge. (laughs) So we always loved it. We knew that it was really the best city out there, especially for stand up comedy. We had come to New York City uh, on a trial period before we moved here officially. We were both up for it. We were so excited to do it. Our parents had their reservations, but they also had their reservations about our marriage. So my dad was like constantly like, maybe you guys can find brothers to marry so you could remain close. You know, that's one of his things. So we were here three months in 2014 and then three months in 2015. And I guess my wife planned in her head that if we were to have a great trip in New York City and like live together and and still, you know, not fight and be in love. She was going to propose at the end of the our trial period. And so and our anniversary, our first kiss anniversary, we have like thousands of anniversaries. But our first kiss anniversary, the night we hooked up is February 21st, which was, you know, uh, nearing the end of our trip in New York was the night she decided to propose. But before that, we were here... So we came on a trial period because our parents wanted us to, you know, what do you call it? Try it out before moving here because it's New York City and it's so difficult and it's crazy. So we went to see an immigrations lawyer when we decided this is it. The city's for us. We went to see an immigrations lawyer to see if we're able to get a green card or whatever. And um, she thought that I had enough credits and everything was good. And she figured, you and Jess seem so in love. Why don't you guys just get married and file for one green card? You'll save so much money. And I was just like, oh, how romantic. Right. But I guess Jess the whole time was planning to propose, but now it looked like she was proposing because of the green card. Anyway, fast forward. But I saw it on her face. My, my wife's face is very telling. So I saw that she almost started crying in the immigration's office, uh, the immigration lawyer's office. So I was like, oh, okay. She's planning something. Also, she's not very smooth. 
She's not very cool. She's not a cool person. How can I tell you? She's like a cool person. Like she's awesome and smart and funny and a lot of things like that. But she's the perfect example to describe my wife. We were at a party in Montreal after Just for Laughs, Dave Chappelle's party. It was like the coolest possible thing you could attend, you know. And we only got to go because our friend, who's like a much better, uh, a more well-known comedian, was able to get us in. And at one point, this guy is like walking around with a bottle of champagne and just like pouring it in everybody's mouth. And my wife turns around to the bar and like grabs a glass and he pours it in. So that's definitely... <laughs> That should be her biography. That's who she is. And like I said, like just not smooth as far as she can't hide her emotions. Everything is her face is so telling. You know exactly what she's thinking. If she likes something, if she doesn't like something, you'll never know how I'm actually feeling until I tell you later. But she's quite the opposite. Yeah. I caught her a couple of times in the apartment, our, our tiny studio apartment, like talking to her sister on the phone in the closet, you know, um, and that sort of thing. So I kind of sensed that something was going on. But then finally, February 21st is our anniversary. And she gets us a car service, takes me to have a drink at this like really cool bar in Greenpoint. I forget what it's called. Uh, not by the Apple store or the Whole Foods, like right next to Polly G's, I feel like. You don't know Polly G's, the pizza place? You should definitely go. Okay. Yeah. So she takes me to this bar. We have a drink and she's like sitting down. She's, she, she, she's just so much confidence and just like so relaxed. So now I'm like, it's throwing me off that she, because she's not smooth. And now all of a sudden she's so relaxed. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Maybe she isn't proposing until she got a text and then panicked, chugged her drink and said, we have to go. So we get into the car because there's a car service waiting for us outside. And we head to the restaurant where we're having dinner. And as soon as we walk in there, the hostess was so excited to see Jess that she's like, oh my God, Jess Solomon, hi, and shakes her hand. And now I know that we're like not celebrities yet. You know, that she recognized her from comedy. I know it's going to happen one day, but not in that moment. So I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, why is she shaking her hand? This is nuts. And the woman takes us all the way to the back. They closed off the terrace and just like decorated it with flowers and candles. And I don't drink champagne. So they had like glasses of Japanese whiskey. And I mean, the whole kitchen was just like staring at us, but it was so private. At the same time that everybody's like so excited. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And then we get in there and just goes on one knee and proposes. And of course I say yes and laugh at her because she was shaking and so nervous and so adorable. And the reason she got the text message was because they needed to turn that room uh, into a dining room, like within, within the next half hour. So we really didn't have time. We just, you know, had a drink and appetizer and then like moved into the room to, to have our dinner. And that was the best. And then she took me to one of my favorite places to have a drink with her. One of our first trips to New York. She took me to the Gramercy Tavern and it's gorgeous and, and just like fun. And, and we, ha we had a drink. And so we went back there and I love the movie. I'm like going all over the place. I love the movie Prime. Do you know the movie Prime? Underrated Meryl Streep movie. The cast is unbelievable. A lot of people don't know this movie. It's like Meryl Streep, Uma Thurman, and this gorgeous redheaded guy is in it. Anyway, I love that movie. And one of the scenes in the movie, the gorgeous redheaded guy, I don't know his name, takes Uma Thurman on a date at uh, the Gramercy Park. You know, you have to get the key to like get in there. So he plans a whole dinner, try to get the key, but because it's winter, it's February 21st, our anniversary, she couldn't get a key. And I mean, it's like 
full with snow. But instead, uh, she got us a hotel room in that in that hotel, which is like a gorgeous, gorgeous room. And we had a yeah, we had a drink and we had a dance. We lucked out that night. They had like a live band that was like so awesome. We ended up dancing. Her sister and brother-in-law sent us a bottle of champagne, although I don't drink champagne, but still very thoughtful. And yeah, it was like so great. So she combined like a lot of my favorite rom-coms and she was my first relationship and first person I ever fell in love with and that whole thing. So all I knew about relationships was rom-com. I had very high standards, you know, and she really like met them. Uh, so we get this hotel room, which is so great. But then the next morning she had to leave because she had like some improv class or like writing class or something. So I felt like pretty woman, you know, in this like fancy hotel. So it was like prime and pretty woman combined. We got married a few months later. So she proposed on February 21st. Uh, so we were engaged for two, three months until we got married on May 23rd. No, in Toronto. Cause we left, we left New York City in March. That was our six months was up. We got married in Toronto, not because we have a connection to Toronto, although our sisters live there. We would much rather get married either in New York or Montreal, our hometown, but because Montreal has kind of like French archaic rules. It was so much harder to get a marriage license. For Montreal, it was just French laws are older. So literally somebody could show up at City Hall when we're getting married. First of all, the license takes longer to take out for some reason. And somebody could show up to our wedding at City Hall and be like, I object to their union. And we have to listen. Yeah. It's like such a not updated law for some reason. And I guess it was never updated because people don't actually do that. But my wife had a psychotic ex-girlfriend that could have possibly done that. So we didn't want to risk it. It's insane. So there are like laws about preserving the language were a bit extreme and borderline racist. At least the English community feels that way. I had to go to French school. As an immigrant, you have to. Jess was able to go in an Eng to an English school because her father is a Montrealer and an English speaker. But when you're an immigrant, a new immigrant to Quebec, that's the first rule is that you have to learn French because it's a French province first. And I thought it was so awful uh, at the beginning, but now I'm like grateful because I speak three languages. I think sometimes these laws don't get updated just because they're not a non-issue for, for the majority of people. Uh, it's actually so funny because the day we got married, the disaster day, City Hall in Toronto, we got into a huge fight that morning. It was a terrible day. We got into a huge fight that morning. We get to City Hall, forgot our marriage license at home. We're very forgetful, both of us. That's something we have in common. It's too bad that like we don't balance each other out because we're both equally as bad. And thankfully, the couple that was supposed to get married after us canceled. So we were able to get married because they got into a fight. That's worse than our fight. <laughs> so yeah, we did it out of convenience because we did file for the green card. They wanted us to be married. So we got married so quickly and it wasn't an ideal situation because we lost Jess's father, who was like the nicest out of all the parents. And that was like super tragic. So when we got married at City Hall in Toronto, a place that means nothing to us, just it looked like I was holding Jess hostage because she was crying the whole entire time. It was so bad. So we had a party a year and a half after we got married in Montreal that my mother-in-law threw for us, which was so sweet of her because she was really not on board with this marriage, uh, but came around sort of, you know, well, obviously in a big way, throwing this party, but we we didn't slow dance. We didn't want to make our uh, families uncomfortable. They were already uncomfortable with this whole thing. So we did not have a slow song uh, to dance to. So the song we walked out on was I'm Coming Out by Diana Ross, but I really wanted... um 
Buster Rhymes, I love my bitch. Yeah. <laughs> the proposal was the best night ever. The marriage. <laughs> Not so much. <gasps> yes. Did we scare you? Can we cut off? Reggie, can we cut off? Iman and Reggie are now having a, a cutie patootie cuddle party. Uh, pictures, you can see them on our website, bestnighteverpodcast.com, or on uh, social media. Um, uh, our, again, our Twitter majigger is BNE Podcast. Um, oh, we're on Instagram now. Um, it's Best Night Ever Podcast, where you can see my drawings and that uh, picture of uh, the Cuddlebugs. Um, speaking of social media, Iman has, believe it or not, a very funny Twitter. Her Twitter majigger is uh, Iman uh, I'll spell it for you. It's uh, E M A N I F I Q U E. I have no idea what that means. Oh, a magnifique. Ah, oh, like a, a, a magnifique, the French word. Jesus Christ. I'm such, uh, I'm, I really am a, a fat idiot named Ian. Anyways, it's a magnifique. I already spelled it, so uh, let's just move on and pretend that didn't happen. Her website is imontertainment.com. Her and her wife, uh, who, as she mentioned, is also a comedian, uh, have an, a really cute and amazing comic strip called The L. Solomons. You can get it, get there from her website. Uh, if you've been to uh, our website um, or our Instagram, you know that I, you know, I, I love doodles. Uh, so uh, doodles with word bubbles above them. I, I, I can't get enough of them. You can see him on coming up uh, April 25th to 27th at the Halifax Comedy Fest in Halifax. May 1st through 3rd at the Winnipeg Comedy Fest in Winnipeg, and May 4th through 5th at the Women Comedy Fest in Boston. Uh, I bet some of you thought I was going to say in women, uh, but uh, that's too easy. Uh, I, I, I'm not just going to, uh, I don't just take the jokes that are right in front of me. I, I, uh, I want to, uh, I like to work for my uh, my chuckles. Hey, I'm going to put a load in. Yeah, um, that's fine. I'll, um, what was it? Sorry. Um, you want me to take this stuff out? Yeah. Or you want me to put it in on top of your stuff? Uh, uh, throw them on the ground is fine. Um, oh, I understood. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyways. Uh, sorry, uh, 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 before we wrap, uh, one last thing I just want to say. Tower Heist, not that bad. I really liked it. Uh, terribly, terribly underrated. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, rent it, uh, but if you're home and it's on TBS and there's nothing else on, watch it. It's good. Well, gang, whether you're listening to this in the daytime, afternoon, or night, I really, really, really hope it's the best ever. See you next time. Bye.